So we're here. We're being told 24-7 on every news outlet that there is a war between Russia and Ukraine and that it could possibly be an existential crisis for humanity because Vladimir Putin is talking about nukes. If you grew up in my generation, you're used to hearing about war with the Russians, nuclear threat, Red Dawn, Top Gun, the day after tomorrow, you name it. Like growing up in the 80s, that's all we heard about was the threat of nuclear war. Ronald Reagan dropping bombs on Gaddafi, all sorts of stuff, right? So for me to be hearing these things again, they just quite simply don't hit the same for me as they do for maybe some of you. I guess the younger you are, the more scary this may all appear to be. And so I wanted to do this episode because I feel like it's the perfect time to talk about trust and who is it that you trust and why. Now, what does that have to do with war? Well, the first thing that I would say is, how do you know that what you're being told is true? Do you know these people who are reporting this news to you? Do these people have a record of telling the truth? Do these people tell the truth to you across the board? Or are these stories cherry-picked for your consumption? Regardless of whether you lean left or you lean right or you're a moderate or you're a libertarian, call yourself what you want, you're all getting the same news. If you watch CNN, they're talking about the war. If you watch Fox News, they're talking about the war. If you watch the BBC, they're talking about the war. If you watch Al Jazeera, they're talking about the war. All the news outlets are talking about this war, right? And in the publishing industry, there is a saying, if it bleeds, it leads. That means whatever is bloody, whatever is violent, whatever is scary, that's going to make the front page because that's going to get clicks and clicks make money. So then my question is, if someone has the requirement, the necessity to keep the lights on and telling a feel-good story about people of different races or different populations or different creeds, call it what you will, getting along, well, that's not like something people click on a bunch, right? But carnage, well, now people want to see that, right? A car crashes and all of a sudden you got a ton of traffic because everybody wants to see the car crash. It could be a fender bender. It could be an 18-wheeler crashing into a little car and setting it on fire. It doesn't matter. Everybody's slowing down because they want to see what happened. That's just the way we are as human beings. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So then my question to you is, did you think about this fact that this narrative is profitable for the people who are sharing it with you? And does that make you question whether or not this narrative is accurate? So can you trust it? Is the world so simple that it's just black and white hats? You got the white hats on one side, you got the black hats on the other side, just like the old cowboy movies, right? All the old black and white cowboy movies, the good guy had the white hat on and the bad guy had the black hat on. And is it that simple? Is that the way that this war is taking place? There's one group that's white hats and there's one group that's black hats and there's nothing else to think about. Let's all just support one side. I don't support either side because I don't have a dog in this fight. I am saddened at the fact that there is human suffering and loss of life and destruction of private property and violation of human and civil rights. All those things upset me. But last week, a week or two ago, I wasn't even thinking about this place. This conflict didn't just happen overnight. 
These are problems that these people have been having with each other for some time now, right? Years. About two weeks ago, they were bombarding me with information. They were bombarding all of us with information about a bunch of Canadian truckers and their fight for liberty in their own countries that are supposed to be democracies and behavior of their government that doesn't coincide with a free nation. And some people will say, well, they're, you know, being disruptive and they're breaking the law and this and that. And I understand that. And other people say, no, but they're fighting for their freedom because they're having these mandates and these emergency powers and blah, blah, blah. I understand that too. And once again, I will say, who do you trust? I see people all over the internet saying a thousand different things. Do I think that it's a bad thing when your government doesn't allow you to walk freely and do commerce freely and to do things freely? Yes. And do I think that it is a bad thing when they use public health as an excuse to take away these rights from you? Yes, because that is also a narrative. They don't stop you from smoking cigarettes. They don't stop you from drinking alcohol. They're not stopping you from doing drugs that the pharmacist gives you because the doctor prescribed it. And a lot of them do tons of damage to your body. And some people will say, oh, you know, that's radicalism or it's, you know, this or that and the other thing. And that's fine. You know, what I call it is I call it free thinking. I call it thinking for myself and not allowing other people to think for me and not being so damn lazy that I don't research topics on my own, as opposed to just going by whatever some news station whose sole purpose for existence is profit to tell me what I should be concerned about. I have the tendency to look at them for myself and to determine and study and research for myself truth and history, because usually there is nothing new under the sun. And when you see things happening in the world, you can probably go and study up history and see that it has happened before. One of the things that I think is happening right now that is historic that I don't recall seeing in the past, at least not as blatantly as it's being done now because we haven't had the type of technology that we currently have in the past, is the weaponization of finance. And what do I mean by that? Well, you'll take notice that in Canada, the truckers were uh, being a nuisance and the government decided that they were going to shut down all of their money. They were going to stop them from banking. They were going to stop them from paying their bills and stop them from using their credit cards. And they were going to punish anyone and everyone who was involved or supported the truckers, right? So they enacted some emergency powers and they said, we now have control over the money. We don't have to go through a due process in a court of law. We can just shut down your money and then lock you up and throw you in prison. That to me is crazy. And it's even crazier because when they had organizations like BLM burning up towns all over the place, they didn't do that. When they had all these other cases of people doing horrible things, whether as individuals or in mass, they didn't do that. But now, because of the digitization of our finances, because the reality is, is that all our money is just numbers on a spreadsheet online, they can do that. They can shut down your money. The Caesars didn't have the ability to do that. You carried coin. They couldn't just shut down the coins. That would ruin the economy. No society had the ability to just shut down the money for a subsection of society. That's just not really a thing. And I'm sure some of you might point out to me cases in history where that has occurred. And if you find them, please let me know. I'd like to be educated on that. But not with the ease that it can be done today. And so when you go and you look at Russia and Ukraine, 
the same thing is happening because now you have all of these nations who are sanctioning Russia and they're shutting down their money. So they are killing their economy through the digitization of finance, right? So we have sanctions going against the banks and the oligarch billionaires who support Putin. And then all of a sudden the ruble completely tanks. So they're shutting down their money effectively, right? And that to me is a precedent that we can't come back from. That's gonna be a thing going forward. Messing with people's money when you disagree with them, regardless of whether or not they're right or wrong or indifferent. The fact that they're using it right now to stop truckers from protesting, the fact that they're using it to stop a megalomaniac from invading another country, soon it will be to stop people who dissent with the narrative. It will be to stop people who are in another political party from you. That's where it goes, right? And I know that this podcast is a little bit different from what I'll usually be talking about, but I felt that it was something that needed to be expressed because I'm a firm believer in truth. And does that mean that I always have it right? Absolutely not. But this is my opinion at this point in time. And I think this is the actual use case to me that proves that all of my leanings towards Bitcoin and cryptocurrency being the future is correct. I've been saying it for years. I've been telling friends, families, and everybody who would listen by Bitcoin. Is Bitcoin the greatest technology? No. Are there a bunch of other cryptocurrencies out there that run circles around Bitcoin? Yes. But Bitcoin is the one that's accepted and Bitcoin is the one that will continue to lead. That's my take on that. You can come up with all the cryptocurrencies you want. They can have all the use cases that they want. None of them will ever beat Bitcoin, in my opinion, because it has already been adopted by nations and banks and wealthy individuals and your common day libertarian your common day man who hears about it and thinks he's going to make a profit. And because of that, and because everyone has already signed on to it, it will continue to lead going forward. All these people talking about the flippening, I think they're wrong. I think that Ethereum will continue to have its use case as the oil per se to Bitcoin's gold. Gold isn't particularly useful in our day-to-day -day lives. You know, you'll find certain use cases. It's in your cell phone. They use it as a storage of value, things like that. But oil you can use it to fuel your cars. You can use it to heat your home. You can use it to cook your food. They use it to add chemicals and then they turn it into plastic spoons and containers for your rice. Like it has tons of uses. And I believe that that's what Ethereum is. And Ethereum will have its competitors. Bitcoin will have its competitors. But I pretty much think that those two are solidified in their position as far as I can see. I can't see anybody coming along and knocking those two out of their positions of one and two. So all of this is to say, if you don't consider yourself a critical thinker, or maybe you do think that that be the case and you didn't consider these things, well, hopefully I gave you food for thought. But if you are still on the fence as to whether or not you should have Bitcoin, this should be all the evidence you need to understand that that is something you should be doing regularly. Dollar cost averaging. This is not financial advice. This is my opinion, but I see it that way. This is something that everyone should be doing because right now there are people in Russia standing on lines for hours trying to get access to an ATM machine to try and pull out a fraction of their money so that they have the ability to flee or to feed their families. And that to me is crazy. Knowing that Bitcoin has been around for 10 years now, that's just crazy to me, right? So you can put yourself in a position where 
you don't have to be dependent upon the waves of the world, right? And wherever they'll decide to take you. You can give yourself some autonomy by putting some of your wealth into Bitcoin. And if something should happen, you still have your wealth stored. If all the electricity goes out, yes, you have no access to Bitcoin. But if all the electricity goes out, you don't have access to the ATM machine either. But when the electricity comes back, that bank that's holding your money may or may not exist anymore. The Bitcoin network's still going to be there. Like they have satellites that hold the Bitcoin network. They hold the ledger information and they transmit it to the earth. And the reason for that is to make sure that the network never goes down. If I'm not mistaken, that's a company called Blockstream that's doing that. So I just wanted to share that with you. I hope it provokes thought. My intent isn't to insult anyone or to anger anyone, even though I'm sure that I've done that. My desire is to provoke thought, to tell you, be careful who you trust, search for truth, and hopefully we never have to face these things ourselves. But the way that we live in the West, I believe it's a privilege and an experiment and it's fragile. And if we don't take care of each other, it could all go away in an instant. So until next time, Stay safe. Be blessed. Thanks for listening.